Once upon a time, there was Bill Mick live in the morning in Central Valley of California. And there we were. Bill in the one seat, in the main seat, the commander seat, and me over there in the, what do we call that, sports desk? Yeah, that's how it started out anyway. That first day was amazing. Anyway, Bill's here. And once upon a time, someone said of us that listening to you two guys in the morning is like sitting around the breakfast table, just having a family conversation with folks. And I've always tried to make the show that vein, that that communication with that that isn't. I don't know what's the word I'm like. I, I, you know, Not you could, right? And you consider and be lecturing and all that kind of stuff. But it, it, I really just want that friendly conversation with people. Does that make sense? You had to throw that friendly part in, didn't you? <laughs> Look, old ye of the radio taser. <laughs> See, I just hung up on people. I hate callers, man. I've always hated callers. I'm sorry. Shouldn't say you know, that. I but... see that a little differently. I kind of feed off of them. And they give me angles that I don't have. I don't have a producer anymore. I don't have a cast member on the show. It's just me. And I can preach for three hours if I need to. They don't let me pass a collection plate. Well, not a physical one anyway. And I, I kind of like the interaction. Yeah, I do too. I just as uh, long as they're on topic. As long as they're what? On topic. On topic, yeah. But that's the problem. Is yeah. Hey, do you know where I can turn in my ballot? Your what? Your ballot. My ballot. Can you, do you know where I can go to mail my ballot? Uh, have they confiscated all your mailboxes? Uh, that's an inside joke, folks. Don't worry about it. Bill's here. Bill's always good to have Bill here. Um, kind of in a weird setup today because Google Chrome decided to eat itself. So I'm actually manually doing everything, which is a little weird, but kind of fun. It's kind of technically challenging. This is the third take. So there's that. But I wanted to have Bill on because uh, I always enjoy talking with him. Number one, that's how I got my start in radio. And uh, all those years. Can you believe it's been 12 years since you left Modesto? That's hard to believe. But, yeah. 12 years. Crazy. That was a whale of a morning when he announced that he was leaving and I was taking over. (laughs) Having not discussed it with me before. (laughs) By the way. (laughs) Hey, Dave, guess what? Oh, it was great. I was like, wait, wait a minute. But then it worked out okay. So there you go. So how's uh, you are? Then you had the cool thing of moving in the afternoon. I'd give my eye teeth to move to afternoon. Yeah, that was a tough decision. Um, Rich Hawkins, the new GM, called me in like the first or second day he was there and said, um, I need, you know, I was really worried because everything for 90 days had been about how I was going to be fired at the end of 90 days. I I was getting emails from listeners going, well, I can't wait for this 90 day trial to be up so you can get out of here. Um, and I won't tell you which Dave Thomas sent me that. Um, but so, so I I was kind of trepidatious going into the office about this meeting. And that's what he said to me. He says, I want you to think really hard about this. How would you feel about moving to afternoons? And I said, 
I've already thought about it, and I'm yes. When when can we start? Exactly. Can we do it tomorrow? So they came up with this plan, Bill. I don't know if I ever told you the plan. No. Because remember, up until that point, I'd been Dave Diamond, which I never really liked per se. But hey, it, it is what it is, right? I and, understood the reason for it when you first came on with us, and it made sense. So yeah, I get it. Yeah, the the reason was because I was full time with another company that didn't want me on the air as my name because apparently people get upset about political politicizing nonprofit work anyway the point being that i didn't really like the name but i didn't really hate it either i mean it wasn't it wasn't my first choice but you guys shot my first choice to pieces so um, what was the first choice herb focacia yeah i'd have shot that to pieces that's true <laughs> why it does, i've never understood why my second choice. Um, my second choice was Randy Dolphin. That one. I'd go with that. Yeah, but nobody else would. As I recall, Heather shot that one to pieces. But now, see, I don't remember that. <laughs> at any rate, so we ended up on this Dave Diamond. So, so here was the plan in January, man. Hi, whoever that is. Um, that is. See y'all later. <laughs> my sister's cleaning folks are leaving. Oh. Okay. So good people. Well, isn't everybody in West Virginia good people? Um, no, I was a cop here, remember? That's true. By the way, Bill is not in Florida. He is in West Virginia. He's taking some time off to visit the, the homestead in, in West Virginia. West by God, Virginia. Sorry, I mispronounced it. I getting married last weekend, and it was really nice. Yeah. I just, I'm, I'm just mentioning the fact that you're not in Florida. I'm not. Is the court aware that Bill is not in Florida? I was just now. pointing out that Bill is not in Florida, and <laughs> he's in West by God, Virginia. Anyway, so the plan, Bill, was... So so after Rich comes up with this, and, and by the way, Rich Hawkins was a great GM. I really enjoyed working for him. And he, uh, so he comes up with this plan. This is like the first week in January. And he wants to make the shift on the 1st of February, which actually was the 2nd of February, as I recall, because it was a Monday. Okay. Michael Savage is in that time slot. He is worse than useless. His His ratings were zeros. No ads. When he tried to show up for work, yeah. yeah. No ads were being sold, nothing. So Rich's idea was we'd have six hours. We'd have a 9 a.m. or a 6 a.m. news program that was local, and then me in the afternoon. It was a great idea. So he says to me, here's what we're going to do. Two weeks before this, in other words, mid-January, we're just going to yank you off the air. No explanations, nothing. And then in two weeks, February 2nd, we'll bring you back as Dave Bowman. Okay let it stew, you know, kind of get people upset, riled up, you know, what's, why is Dave off the air? And, and my first thought was that's never going to work because at least half the people listening hate me anyway. They all want Bill back. But then like three days before they were going to do this, I guess the rating book came out, the fall rating book came out and Bill, I had kicked ass in the ratings. Oh man, that's great. So, so he's like, well, I can't just yank him off the air now because <laughs> so we announced we were moving the afternoon. I went to the gym one afternoon. I'm running on the elliptical. Got my headphones on. These headphones, as a matter of fact, run. And uh, some guy comes up. He's yelling at me, standing in front of the elliptical, just screaming at me. What the hell, dude? Stop. Take the headphones off. What's the matter? Who do you think you are taking Michael Savage off the air and putting him in your and putting yourself in his place? Like, are you kidding me? 
<laughs> That's what I had to put up with, Bill, for like a month and a half. I believe it. You know, I was convinced early in my career that anybody who sits behind a microphone for any length of time will develop a loyal following. Who knows what the numbers are, but those loyal followers will be there. You know, while I'm gone this week, Joe Pags, that we air from 6 to 9 in the evenings on WMMB, we're recording his show the day before, playing it while I'm gone the next morning. And I get the complaints. I don't like listening to Joe Pags in the morning. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I don't have any staff to cover my vacation. And he's a nationally syndicated show, and they allow us to do that. And Joe does a good job. I like what Joe does on the air. So works for me. They miss me, and I'm still giving them quality radio in the morning when I'm gone. And they're, they're anxious for you to come back. Yeah, that's see, absolutely. That, that's one of the things I told Rich one day because we we'd do this guest host thing, and I would always choose. I hate to say this now because some of them are probably still listening. I would not choose guest hosts based on their ability to best me. That's wise. Well, I had to explain that to Rich one day. He says your guest hosts are terrible. I said I know. Aren't you glad I'm coming back? <laughs> it's like it's like. Yeah, now that you mention it, yeah, I guess I am. That doesn't mean they didn't try. It doesn't mean they weren't good people. It just means that they weren't radio people. They didn't. Well, you know. and most people who try radio or who are even used to being guests on radio, they don't get making good radio, and that's not their first priority. Their first priority is push their agenda while they have the microphone on, and that never makes for good radio absent a discussion with a host. Right, which is part of the problem, and then. And then you throw in the guest host thing where you're not really familiar. Everybody thinks everybody thinks that they can do this. That's the number one question I still get to this day, Bill. How do I get my own show? I mean, everybody in thinks market, they can. It's pay for it by the hour, yeah. baby. That's every market now. I mean, there is no, there really is no functional ability for people to get into radio, being hired into radio, unless you just you, you got to know somebody who knows somebody. I mean, that's the only way to do it. Christ, that's yeah. how I did it. I knew somebody. Everybody who's produced my show outside of the time I spent in Modesto, because I walked into a working crew there, everybody who's produced my show in Melbourne started out as an intern right? and worked their way into a part-time and later full-time production job, not an on-air job, but the production job. And some of those transitioned to on-air doing other things down the road. I always enjoyed producing that to this day. That's still my, I mean, I, I said that earlier about having to manually operate it. I'd still prefer that. Um, if I could work my way somewhere back into a producing job, I, I always enjoyed that being on air is great. It's fun. How do you feel about living on the space coast? If I could talk them into it, I'd bring you in. You know, you know, the truth of the matter is, is, uh, and I got to say this politely, Bill, I hate Florida, but even more than me hating Florida thing about technology is, you could do it from Washington. I know I could, and and I would be happy to do that. Uh, my wife would not be happy living in Florida, so. But we could talk. Well, about I can it. understand that. Yeah, but I always love producing, and 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 I've told you this. I've worked out a way for us to do a live show. It's it's, you know, obviously technology sometimes is an issue, but as a general rule of thumb, it works. At any rate, um, I always enjoyed producing. I when I got when I got promoted to the producer for On the Road, man. That was great. And then that turned into co-hosting on the road, which I wasn't so sure about. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that was, uh, I learned, I, that's, you know, 
That was a fun little show, though. I enjoyed it. It was, and then you learn the ropes, and then and then the ropes change, and then you end up uh, in the big seat hosting the the big show, and it was quite an adventure. So we uh, we still talk. Bill and I still talk, and one of the things I, I there's several things I want to get into today that had nothing to do with us being on radio together. Um, one of the things I want to talk about is uh, we got a listener who listened to both your show and my show who is undergoing some medical treatment right now, Mr. Officer Messina. And I yeah, wanted to give you a chance. People, man. Yeah. I, I know he's he listens to both of us. Yeah. I know he listens to both of us. I wanted to give you a chance to kind of talk about Mr. Messina there and, and what he meant to you when you were in Oakdale and, and uh, kind of sent him some, some good vibes here. I saw his Facebook post this morning, I believe it was, and he, and he was taking another treatment and talking about how many he had to go, what was going on. Um, Max was the school resource officer at Oakdale High when Tyler started high school when we moved out there. He was a huge positive influence on my son, who is now, he's been a deputy sheriff for nearly seven years, and he just left the sheriff's department and moved to Titusville PD. And he's been with them a couple of months now and thoroughly loves the work. And it's because of the inspiration of people like Max and the dedication that he showed and the quality people that he is. Um, I hope he's in a situation where he can hammer the fire out of this illness and uh, be around for a long, long time because he's quality people. And he's one of those folks, when you move to a community, you were glad you met him and uh, just a wonderful guy and hate to see him go through this stuff. Yeah, Max was always a he's, he's been a really good listener through the years, and you know it was kind of one of those things. He 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 was a listener, loyal listener of the Bill Mick Live Show when it was in Modesto, and then when I took over, he stayed with me. And there there were a lot of folks who did, but Max was one of those guys who he didn't communicate a lot with me, but he did regularly communicate and still does. So uh, Max, we uh, we certainly wish you the best, and we want you to be uh, healthy. Are you okay with Max? We want you to be healthy and. We want you to get through this. What are did you I doing? Did I tell you my sister's house is in the flight pattern for the airport? No, you didn't. That's just what happened. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I haven't been to West Virginia since 1988, man. I was still a cop. Hey, well, so here's the thing. I used to have a Volkswagen Scirocco, but one of the ones that was an import, it was from Germany. So it was... Uh, the Scirocco's were not the fastest car on the road, but they were they were good cars for and Highway yeah. 60, what is it through Eagle's Nest? Down by Charleston. Yeah, right. yeah, that's a great road. In fact, it was such a great drive that I went out of my way to go back that way when I came back through. Did you really? Yes. Yeah, I was going to Norfolk from Oklahoma City. And I went through West Virginia just to just to do that road again. Very cool. So I'm glad fun. you did. All right, so let's get to it. Have you been? You've uh, you watched any of the conventions? Because I haven't. I watched uh, Tim Scott's speech the other night, mainly because I was sitting in the family room with my brother-in-law, and that's what he had on. Hmm. I very much agree with you that there's little of substance in the conventions to really have an impact on those of us who are plugged in, like you and I are. I'm not even we sure I'm plugged in anymore. About whether they impact anybody else. Right. And that's, see what I'm finding, Bill, is 
Somebody was asking me about this this morning because he was he was saying, you must be really stressed out right now. And I'm like, you know, I've learned to compartmentalize my anger about political things. But the person who hasn't learned to do that is my wife, who does things like I'm trying to calm down. You know, she's a nurse, so she's got to get up early. She gets up at like five in the morning. So she wants to go to bed early. But then she starts watching Ben Shapiro and Fox News (laughs) stuff. And it's like she's just like, can I talk to you about this? And I'm like. I thought you were trying to calm down. Stop watching that stuff. Stop. If you're trying to calm down, that's not going to help you any. Man, she just has turned into this rabid conservative, almost activist. But, of course, she can't talk about any of it at work because it's work and you don't do that. She comes home and wants to talk to me about it. And I'm like, I spend my whole day immersed in this stuff. And right. even I don't care. I don't, you know, I, I don't watch conventions. I don't watch. I'm really hoping they don't have any debates because I don't want to watch them. Yeah, the debates. Um, I will watch them for the comedy factor. Can't you get that afterwards? That is the same plane. He's playing. <laughs> it's the same. Air, and it, it's like a little laywax plane or something. It's got a big dome on top. It's like, dude, it's West Virginia. We don't have terrorists. We don't have foreign Navy. Go away. Right, but you do have all that infrastructure for for the president to survive in. Oh, wait, I'm not supposed well, to talk about that. It's a tourist attraction now. Yeah, I know. They've got another one oh. somewhere. <laughs> Probably Louisiana. I don't yeah. know. I don't know, man. I just somebody was talking tweeting today about if they did the debates as a Zoom meeting, so just left, right, Trump, Biden. No moderators, no questions, none of that BS. And they just said, okay, today we're going to talk about your position on foreign affairs, your position on domestic affairs, your position on the economy. And just let them go, you know, the way Lincoln and Douglas did. Sure. That, I might, that I might watch, but I think the other debates have turned into a popularity show for news anchors. A lot of that's true. And depending on the network, the anchors who were selected – it's a game of got you for one candidate or the other, and the the news agenda is never far from the topic. And if they would allow, forget the time limits, let the candidates interrupt each other on the points that they're making, let them have that discussion. I would like that a lot better. I'm, I'm with you there. Um, but the conventions, the debates, sadly, Dave, where we disagree – is that I think there will be people influenced by them. I think there have been already because I would estimate that far fewer than 50% of the super voting public, I'm talking people who vote in every election because they're patriotic Americans and they feel like that's their obligation as a citizen to vote in every election, less than 50% of them are clued into what the real issues are and they will be influenced by what they see and here on television, radio, and in the media. See, I'm, I, I, I hear what you're saying, and I've heard people say that for years, but I'm just not convinced that there's nobody that hasn't made up their mind. I, I, I'm blown away by the idea that by oh, no. this point— They think they, they've yeah. made up their mind now. Right. They think they know, but so, they will be influenced and swayed by what is said. And, and I realize you and I have our perspectives and our points of view, and, and I heard what was— 
laid out in the Democratic convention, and I thought, how can half the country be dumb enough to listen to that? And now I see what Tim Scott said the other night, what others are saying in the Republican conventions. And yes, that makes more sense to me because I am philosophically aligned that direction, although I won't agree with everything. Most of it I will. And I don't see how the other side can see it that way. There are others who are far less plugged in than you and I are that will be influenced by that. I've got friends who are in elected office there in Brevard County. We are known as a conservative county. We are known as a county that helped put Donald Trump over the top in 2016. First place he came after he was elected on the thank you tour was to our airport, an event I will never go to another one, but it was eight or nine hours of a day that I'm glad I saw and participated in. But yet in this last election, we turned out a very conservative school board member who is talking common sense, budget issues, who has handled herself well over the four years she was was in office, and she got beat by a 32-year-old speech therapist who hadn't been on the planet long enough to understand the big budget that she's got because she's teaching eight-year-olds how to talk in school. And we've turned out a, a business professional for a teacher because the teachers' unions control the union vote and the teacher vote there. And, and, they, and they beat a solid conservative gal. We are not as conservative locally as we like to think we are nationally. And those people are going to be swayed. They just are. I think that's true of every district. I mean, I, I used to say this about Modesto and the Central Valley. People used to talk about the conservative Central Valley. And I kept looking at the numbers going, you're not as conservative as you think you are. That's exactly right. And, of course, here it's a my particular area. See, they only break these things down by county. So Kitsap County will almost always be blue because of Bainbridge Island. But it's the western suburb of Seattle. It's where the rich Seattle people who don't want to deal with all the crap that's going on in Seattle move to. So, But the rest of the county is military. So it tends to run red. But, you know, there's not enough of us to outweigh the... The other folks. And then when you factor in the entire 6th Congressional District, which is giganormous, the entire Olympic Peninsula, you know, it's it's we might be conservative right here, but we're lean that way. But it's not we're not as conservative as we think. Now, the, the question, though, Bill, is, OK, it doesn't matter who you're paying attention to on social media or regular media Everybody that's a Democrat or leans left thinks that the Democrat convention was fantastic and the Republican convention is full of crap. And everybody that leans right or is a Republican thinks that the Republican convention is fantastic and that the Democrat convention was full of crap. So, Except for that one that I sent you the story about last week. Right, and except for the one that I sent you right back, canceling that one out. Uh, No, it didn't either. Because (laughs) you sent me somebody from the swamp who is ticked that Washington has been disturbed by Trump. Right, but he's still gonna he's still voting for Biden because even though he's a Republican, just like your guy who is a Democrat is voting for for Trump even though he's a Democrat. The difference is my guy is more indicative of mainstream America. Right, but he's still just one guy. He is one guy representative of the general electorate that if they're paying attention, they're gonna be swayed by that stuff. The guys in the swamp were never gonna they were mostly all anti-Trumpers anyway, never Trumpers. Have we reached the point 
in your opinion, have we reached the point where party loyalty no longer matters? That if you just hate the person that's 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 there. I mean, I've been doing a lot of study back in the 1876 election and the 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 results from that. And there was a time where, okay, I don't like this guy, but he's my party, so I'm going to put that aside. Kind of like, uh, kind of like the vice presidential gal. What's her name? Kamala Harris. You know, <laughs> Joe, you're a pedophile. Joe, you're this. Joe, you're... but she takes that in the interest of party unity or whatever. Have we? Well, have she we... also thinks in six months she's going to be president. I don't think she is. I don't. Well, I don't know where that comes. Well, from. I don't think she, they're going to get elected. But in her mind, if we get elected, Joe ain't making it through the first term, much less into two. Why do people think that? Well, he's feeble. He, he's losing his mind if he hadn't lost it already. He can't string two sentences, well, one sentence together, much less two. Okay, but he couldn't do that in the early primaries either. No, and how he survived that, I don't know. You know I, how he survived I'm surprised it. He didn't have a convention surprise and have Hillary or something as the nominee, to be honest. No, they're not going to. They can't do that anymore. Because the. can you imagine that all these people that had voted for, for Joe Biden? I mean, look at, look at what happened in 2016 with, with Bernie and Hillary and the superdelegates and all that BS. Yeah, um, yeah. They, they couldn't. If they did that, it would destroy the, the party. But see, this, this mindset that Joe is on his way out. I concede that Joe is being controlled by someone, that someone is pulling Joe's strings. Yeah, I don't think he picked Camilla. uh, Well, you know he didn't, but whoever it is that – but Camilla is the – she's not in line with Joe. So who's ever pulling Joe's strings doesn't necessarily want Joe to go away. But Kamala brings, I guess, something to the table. I don't know what that something is, but – Supposedly, it's a progressive agenda, and maybe maybe they're trying to attract Bernie. I, I don't know, but I rarely have See, I I'm seen not Joe's controlling guy is controlling Joe to have Joe there. He's controlling Joe to have Joe bring that progressive alliance behind him, and then they move Joe out of the way, and they're in place already. Right, but do you think Kamala is going to respond to that same control? I mean, this is a I woman think, who... I think she's part of the cabal that is the control. Huh. Well, she sure didn't show it well, in the primaries. <laughs> Pardon? She sure didn't show it in the primaries. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the backroom stuff. Why not? not the, it's the, hey, we've got to get our agenda in some way. The only way we have a shot of being elected is to have somebody who has been there forever. He represents the swamp that Trump that Trump is trying to clean out, and he knows Washington and Democrats, run-of-the-mill Democrats will back him. Run-of-the-mill Democrats will not back a Bernie Sanders, a Kamala Harris, as we saw in the primaries. But they were. So they were they backing him. They were backing we him. They were backing him until it became a campaign issue, until it became clear that if Bernie Sanders was the nominee, they were not going to just lose. They were going to get bitch-slapped into the next election. And it wasn't – I don't think they rejected Bernie on the basis of his ideas. I think they rejected Bernie on the idea of if we elect this guy, we may never see another Democrat in the White House. I mean, we watched what happened, Bill. We saw the, we saw the reaction to mainline Democrats talking about how we can't nominate this guy. And, and he was running away with it. And then Biden was – what was the word the New York Times – moribund? His campaign was over. It was done. If he didn't, yeah. And in South Carolina, 
boom, all of a sudden, if, if they really... If they really didn't want Bernie and they really thought Kamala was the guy, why didn't they why didn't they coalesce behind Kamala or Tulsi Gabbard? But she is as socialist as Bernie is. Right, but she doesn't say it. He says it. That was the problem. It wasn't yeah. that he was a socialist, it's that he keeps saying it. Well, they're gonna fool some of the people some of the time with Joe on top of the ticket. But I think all of us realize he's not gonna be driving the bus. Well, I don't know that that's true of any candidate outside of Trump. I mean, Trump is certainly, uh, he's certainly an independent. He's about the most independent president we've ever had, uh, certainly and since I'm the turn of the century. I'm enjoying that part of it, to yeah. be honest. I really am. It's, it's something that I find attractive about him. I'll be honest, I'm enough of a chaosian to enjoy how much he spins up people and the realization that most 99% of what he says is just to piss people off. I mean, it, it really is. Um, He's got a gift. Yeah. <laughs> that makes it enjoyable to me, and I've, I've, I've enjoyed watching that. And I, I, I'll tell people now, well, who are you voting for? I'm voting for Trump because it'll piss you off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I have no problem doing that. There's nothing in Donald Trump that I particularly like, but there's a whole lot in Joe Biden and certainly in Kamala Harris that I don't like. And I don't... Exactly. And I like the idea that Trump will thumb his nose at the lifelong politician Republicans, the never Trumpers and the, the moderate weak Republicans that aren't conservative, but like to talk it until they're elected. Right. I like that. He thumbs his nose at those people. I think his court picks have been good so far. And Mm. I think that will influence the country far longer than maybe even his presidency would. Right. And I think that those are issues that, that certainly should be considered. I'm blown away by people who are moderate to right telling me that they, that Donald Trump is, he's rude and crude and I don't like him. And so I have to vote for Biden and Harris with no, with no other consideration in this. I mean, okay. There's a lot of people I don't like that I think would be really good presidents. Uh, There's a lot of people I do like who I think would be terrible presidents. Amen. I'm with you. And, you know, this whole thing about Trump's past, about his history with women or whatever the case may be, uh, we're not electing a pastor or a priest or a rabbi. We're electing a president. You don't get to the point where you can win that nomination without being somebody who knows how to play hardball, business-wise, politically, whatever it may be. These are not the guy you run to for confession or marital advice. (laughs) These are guys that you say, I need this done. I need it done now. And how do we get there? Right. And, and I think he is strong there. I wish he'd put Twitter down. I don't I, like ugh, what he does there. Yeah. yeah. But he can create a distraction in a heartbeat. And then all of a sudden he's done something that nobody saw coming. Right. So maybe he's the master and we're just not recognizing that enough. Oh, I think I'm, you know, I, I think I see the game and I think I see what he's doing. And it took me a while to figure it out, but, but I do enjoy the way he's t- he certainly spins people up, and it's to me that's oh, impressive. And yeah, and he doesn't care. That's that's the part I wish I could get to in my own life when people piss me off. I wish I could just not care. Well, did you like how at the State of the Union he I, had? I didn't watch it. Everybody who's hated Rush Limbaugh for thirty years applauding him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that was uh, that was pretty amazing. So speaking of Rush, let's let's change gears here for just a second. Um, 
Rush, as we all know, is is ill. The de- severity of that illness, I don't think he's ever going to tell anybody. But the, the reality of it is, eventually, there isn't going to be Rush. What do you think happens? Well, that's true for all of us. Yeah, but what, but what happens to, I mean, in, in the world of conservative talk radio, Rush is the glue. I mean, he he's the, whether you agree with him or not, and I find myself disagreeing with him a lot, um, but he is the gold standard. And There's no... Yes. What happens when he's gone? What happens to to talk radio in general, do you think? Not just conservative, but all of it. Because even the leftists. If I were the head of the talk division of Premier Radio, if I were iHeart's director of talk program, I would be in negotiations with Rush Limbaugh's company Mm -hmm. to take those three hours and... um, continue the excellence in broadcasting network. I would audition and use for a period of time guest hosts and not necessarily the ones he's using now. Right. I would look at the guys like Ben Shapiro. I wouldn't look at Hannity or Beck. They've carved out their own slots. They are, they have their own national entity right now, but there's a Ben Shapiro out there. There's a, a Dave Bowman out there. There is somebody who can carry that national conversation. And what you do is you intersperse it and, and you, and you daily pay homage to what Rush Limbaugh did to our industry. Mm-hmm. And you play his daily updates. Once a day, you go back and you pull a clip from 89 or 92 or, or 2018. And you keep him in memory and you honor him and, and you call it, the uh, Limbaugh Institute hmm. for three hours a day, yeah. and you continue in that vein with somebody that they find. And, and again, of the names we're kicking around, the first one that, that comes is, is uh, Shapiro, who I think would be capable of that. Uh, I'm not a fan of Mark Stein as far as the talk radio show. Philosophically, I like the guy. I, I don't think he carries the radio show as well. Um, he, he has a couple of other guys, one of them from out your way, one of them from Philadelphia, uh, that do a decent job as a guest host. I'm not sure they're national host material for the primetime show of the day. Yeah. But I would find somebody like that, and I would continue to pay homage and recognize Rush Limbaugh and what he did. I'm certain that the guy from out this way is not capable of that, but that's my own opinion. And I would also say that for $32 million a year, I'm available. Exactly. I'd even move to Florida. You know what? That'd be a good thing. <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't know what else you want to talk about, but we got to talk about baseball because we always talk about baseball. <sighs> 60 game season. Yeah. If it lasts, the NBA season's apparently over. No, no. They voted this morning to continue. Did they? Yeah. See, this, is the, this makes no sense to me. And this is the kind of thing that, okay. So we have a black guy shot in the back seven times by a police officer, right? No reaction. We have a white 17-year-old who shouldn't be there who shoots two white protesters, four white protesters, two of me kills, and now we got to have everything shut down for a day. But then a day later, we say, okay, that's done. Let's, let's start playing again. Where, where's the logic to this? Where... 
This is what there, frustrates people. That's this is what frustrates people about this whole thing is there's no consistency of message at all. Dave, I've talked about it. I'm pretty sure you've talked about it. Where corporate America, and let's not pretend that that major league sports are not corporate America because that's what they are. They have caved, not just them, Coke, Pepsi, Walmart, Target, whoever. They have all caved to this social agenda nonsense and feel like they have to play to that at some point. Mm. And they've done various things, including Black Lives Matter on the court at the NBA, uh, messages that will be in the, in the end zone and around on the advertising at NFL stadiums. I haven't seen what they're doing in Major League Baseball because I haven't watched any of it. Mm. Um, I, I did listen to some Cincinnati Reds while I was here. Listening to the Reds on radio, why I don't know because they are hapless this year, as they have been for several. <laughs> because baseball on the radio is better. It's phenomenal. I love it. And well, you and I have both done some of that, yeah. and you know, it, it, give me my my dream job, broadcasting baseball, Major League Baseball, and it would be great. That would be fun. And make me the producer, and I'd be real happy. That's. Uh... See, that's my dream podcast. I, I I kept doing this because the Dave Bowman show was about politics, events, and all that kind of stuff. And it's what people are familiar to hear. I'll tell you, Bill, if I had my withers, is that a word? Withers? Druthers. Druthers. You're Southern. Yeah. You're, you're Southern. Tell me the right word here. Brothers. Okay. If I, had, brother. if I had that, man, this would be a sports talk show. And... Because I care a lot more about sports than I do about politics, and I know that's a strange thing to say from coming from a conservative talk show host, but the truth of the matter is I'd much rather talk about sports or history on a daily basis. Yeah, oh, I love the history stuff you do. I have fun doing it. I learn something every time. This whole 1876 thing has been fascinating to me. I, I just, man, I had no idea. I had no idea when I started delving into that what was going on. I, mean, I never knew my wife was from Minsk. <laughs> that's a different show that's do not yeah, resuscitate. But it led up to it. yeah it did um <laughs> that show's fun too do not resuscitate but i just yes, man i told I, you we have to rename it see i don't know that we do we're the finest yeah wtf yeah <laughs> yeah i uh i know we've been arguing about that for a couple of weeks now and i just my approach to that is until i get a cease and desist letter from somebody Screw them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Let it be. Screw them. So it's, it's not there. I don't know, man. But anyway, I, you're back to baseball. I'm back to Thanks baseball. for uh, pushing me to Korean ball. I'm yeah. enjoying watching those. That's, it's good baseball. It's not Major League Baseball, but it's it's pretty dang good. Yeah. Um, I saw today where one of the teams in baseball, Lotte, fired their number one overall pick for next year. Because really? he turned out, he's a high schooler, uh, it turned out that he was a bully in high school. So they fired him. They released him. But they've retained. They have behavioral standards? Well, yeah, yeah. But what they did was, back in the 70s, the Broncos did this. 76, as a matter of fact, the year before they went to the Super Bowl, they had a, three or four players that kind of led a revolt against John Ralston, the coach. We want him out. And so the owner did. He replaced him with Red Miller, the coach. But he also told those three players, Billy Van Heusen, and I don't remember who the other two were, but you'll never play in the NFL again. And he retained their right. He still retains their rights today and will not let them play. Ah. 
So that's what Lotte did to this guy. They, they basically said, you're not playing in our league and we hold your rights. So you're not playing overseas either for being a bully in high school. How much do those rights go beyond the borders of the Korean baseball? Association? Well, that's, you know, you look at it and you go, well, that, but, but remember that these leagues, major leagues, Nippon league, Korean league, they've all negotiated all of that. And that's why, because those players are, are valuable assets for those leagues. So when those players can go overseas, they get those teams. I think the, the, isn't it like $20 million for the Japan Japanese league? So a player like Hideo Nomo or Hinjin Ryu goes to the United States that team gets about a year's worth of operating income for that. Oh, wow. So, okay. yeah, they're, they're jealously guarding those rights. They don't give those up unless they're getting something seriously um, worthwhile in return. My question would be, why did Major League Baseball negotiate with them anyway? Because, or any of these other leagues? Because the problem, Bill, and this is, you know, it all comes back to money. I mean, it's always about money. Sure. The problem is if players go to you, in other words, if if I can if I'm the major league baseball team and I can go over to Japan and just buy, you know, just sign players, what's to keep them from doing the same thing? And I know it sounds silly. Well, it's like we do in the Dominican or anywhere else right. to find out. Right. And yeah. and I know it sounds silly because really how many but what happens when I don't know, pick a player Tejon Walker, he just got traded, um, is unhappy with his current team because they're not going to give him what he wants. And he starts playing, well, I could go over to Korea for, for twice what you're paying me. And, and players do that already. They bounce teams against each other and, and the likes of that. But, but at least sure. inside the United States, you can, you can, what's that word they use, collude <laughs> to stop that. <laughs> yeah. But once you get outside national boundaries, you can't. So they, they, they really negotiated this whole thing tight. So players can't just jump internationally unless they've been, unless they're complete free agents, in which case who cares? Right. Was the kid, uh, Addison Russell, I guess just went to Korea last month. And that's a kid I watched in port in, in port in Portsmouth. It's a Stockton, the ports. Right. And he was a, he was amazing. You knew he was going to make the major leagues. He goes to major leagues with, with the A's. They trade him to the Cubs um, he wins a World Series with the Cubs. Then he has his issues, you know, and now he's in Korea. But I uh, had a conversation with Zach Beirutti one day watching the ports in the Lancaster Jethawks because Delino DeShields was playing for the Jethawks. And he grounded to Addison Russell, who threw him out to Matt Olson at first base. And I said to him, do you ever just feel like you're watching the All-Star game five years from now? <laughs> and he says, oh, yeah. And all three of those guys were... I'm happy for Zach. Uh, it's a shame his season got wiped uh, out this year. Tell but, you, man, uh, that's... Glad to see him move up. He's a good guy. Yeah. I, if, if the Red Sox were smart, they'd sign him. But <laughs> then again, it's the Red Sox. So <laughs> that is literally the only thing that could get me to watch or listen to a Red Sox game would be Zach Beardy going there. I'm so tired. And, and I don't know. I guess it's because of the market sizes and all being East Coast. I'm tired of turning on the TV <sighs> and flipping through baseball, and every other day it's Yankees, Yankees Red Sox. Red Sox. I'm sick of it. Yankees, Red Sox. Yankees, Red Sox. Hey, it's game 37 and of the Yankees. In Florida, if it's not Yankees, Red Sox, 
It's Tampa Bay Yankees or Tampa Bay Red Sox. Stop it. <laughs> okay. Let me see Houston every now and then. I want to see somebody throwing at 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 uh, hitters. Oh, did you see the A's do that? Oh my God, that was wonderful. When they, no, when but they, I'm glad they did. Oh man, it was beautiful. And the Mariners have been in with them. So I get the Mariners up here, but because I don't have cable television, I can't actually watch them. I heard you talk about that. Right. Yeah. So I worked out a way to watch them anyway that I'm not going to talk about because I don't want Major League Baseball finding out that I'm doing it. But right. VPN. Um, um, but the uh, – man, it's – tell you, the game is my my heart and soul. It, it really is. And it's, it's hard to watch it this year because it's just not – the Fox television was using computer generated fans the other day in the angels Dodgers game in the stands. Right. So you would see fans cheering in the stands in the outfield. And then they would cut to the other camera, you know, the ground level camera and they'd be gone. Nobody's there. (laughs) I'm like, that is so stupid. Why do you do that? And you don't get Bud Light's best advertising in years holding both of his beers, taking a baseball in the chest, if you don't have people there to watch. Right. All I can think of is Star Trek and the the arena games where, the, where they had those little dials with the boos and hisses and the gladiators fighting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it I just, and Michelito Loveless was there. Oh, God. What a great thing that was. Well, that's uh, that's about all the time I got for today, man. It's always good to talk to you. We don't do this nearly often enough. No, we don't. And we should really seriously talk about doing a a real show. And I think uh, here's the question to people, your listeners as well as mine. I I think people would enjoy that. Well, I know they did in Modesto. And I know you and I enjoyed it when we were together there. I know we both enjoyed every time we've been together on your podcast since, right. or if you've been on my show, which has happened what, once or twice for each of us, I guess. It has. Yep. And uh, it, it's, I'm looking forward to being able to do that. But Can you imagine? We'll can you I'm Im- doing six days a week now. How many more do I have to do? Yeah, I know, but can you imagine? Now, for those of you that are in the non-Florida audience, you won't get this, but can you imagine the two of us on the air when Olin calls? Oh, that would be so hilarious. And, you know, his call, what was it, two, three weeks ago? Oh, God. Yeah. Kind of a step. I've known, and you can tell from the way he talks, he has those leanings. I'm a free speech guy. If he doesn't cross the FCC line, I'm okay with him spouting his opinion. But I'm going to challenge him on it. Right. I think part of what we're here to do is to have a legitimate conversation even with people who are blatantly offensive. Did you get any reaction? I mean, was there any official reaction to that? Was there any complaint? I mean, you've gotten complaints in the past about stupid crap. And and yet you get this guy on the show and nothing? Not a word. Either nobody called to complain or the complaints are falling on deaf ears because of the repeated BS complaints that we've had previously. Right. Uh, many of whom come from, or many of which come from an elected official in the county. <laughs> <laughs> or they just realized that, I, I, I think, and, and for those of you who missed it, maybe I'll link it up in the, in the write-up for this, but Bill had a caller that was, I, I get this a lot with the, well, nobody really thinks that way anymore, Bill. Nobody really thinks that way. Nobody thinks that way. And then you realize that, yeah, there really are people who do think that way. 
And now he's on the older end of the listening audience. That could be part of the explanation. Right. He grew up in the deep South. I can understand where it came from. I don't understand him holding on to it. Um, but yeah, it was, and I told him it shocked me. I was surprised. I was, I was absolutely stunned that it didn't go to a singular word that I was fully expecting to hear. I was expecting to hear it dumped, but, but I'm surprised it didn't go there. You know, I kind of expected it to, and I'm not sure I would have dumped the word, but I would have dumped the caller because of the word, right? Because such word usage today, I've actually had it on the air from other callers in the last 12 years. Hmm. But the use of that word today gets radio hosts fired from their job. You cannot have a even a technical discussion of that word and rest secure that your job's going to be there. Right. It just you can't do it. Or that you're going to have to fork over what is it, three hundred twenty thousand dollars per occurrence? I don't think FCC violation. It's a social contract violation. Right. With the company. Is it safe harbor? in Buffalo. Right. They fired that, that cast for not stopping what went on. Is it? Is they fired it, the girl who said it. Then they fired the host who didn't admonish her on the air. Right. Is it safe harbor at all? Is it? it can I, I haven't. See, I've been out of radio now for seven years, so I don't even look anymore. Is it safe, safe harbor? Safe harbor applies to 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. where you can say anything and do things that are a little off color. Yeah. But I don't feel, because the FCC language is written so vaguely so they can interpret it as they want to, I don't trust Safe Harbor to be Safe Harbor. Yeah. Well, that's a discussion for another day, probably. Anyway, I was going to say to your audience, my audience, if if Bill and me is, is, you know, Bill McLive with Dave is something you'd be interested in, I, I think we could do a weekly real show, get you in your studio, get a, get a good hookup and... And all that kind of stuff. I think we could do it and make it sound really we, good. We could find a way to make that happen. And, and here's uh, the brilliance of it, Bill. We can take phone calls and I can screen them and run them back to you. There's a way to do it. Have we needed a phone call today? No, but I'm just okay. saying that's fine with me, but I know you like them. So it's, you know, well, I don't mind them. I don't. And especially when I'm preaching yeah and and i I let my callers bring anything up on a wednesday it's wide open wednesday it's been that way since before modesto (laughs) um but on monday tuesday thursday friday you're talking about what i'm talking about or i'm not going to talk to you yeah well that's easy when you have a producer not so easy when somebody calls up and said hey is the library open today do you know where i can take my ballot yeah exactly (laughs) Oh, well, I had a, so you did the wide open Wednesday thing and I just kept doing it because it was tradition. Right. And we get this new, I don't know what to call him. His official title was program director for talk radio for the entire cluster. And, and he was like, don't ever let callers decide what the topic is. Stop doing that. He also, he also said, quote, famously, the audience hates constitution Thursday. Wrong. Well, you know, it's like, okay, dude, whatever. That's the problem, too. There are so many. There's nobody in my building who's done talk radio. Yeah. There, 
I don't have mentors to go to other than nationally. Right. And a lot of them I have found have been moved into positions where they are program people, they're program managers. Mm-hmm. They have, you know, really nice titles and really great salaries, but they've never sat behind a mic and run a talk show and had to talk about something as if they knew what they were talking about for three hours a day. And they don't get it. They come from the music side of the business. Right. And they're used to opening a mic for seven seconds or 15 seconds, at the most a couple of minutes if they're doing a bit. And they don't have to carry a conversation. No. And they don't understand the work we do to be ready to do three hours a day. Yeah. It's it's amazing. And I used to tell people, Wide Open Wednesdays were worse for prep time because you, you didn't know what was coming. And so, you know, you kind of... You kind of think you get as ready as you can, but then somebody hits you out of the blue with with something, and it's like, I don't know anything about that. So you've got your microphone on quiet while you're screaming through the Internet trying to figure out what the hell they're talking about. You know what? I, I figured out a way around that. I ask better questions when I'm ignorant anyway. Right. So I just ask them to explain it and let them go on for a little bit. Yeah, that's one way to do it, I guess. I guess yeah. I'm just I'm just I'm just too OCD to do that. So, I, well, yeah, that's that's where you and I differ a little bit. That's true, <laughs> Bill. It's always good to talk to you, my friend. Always Dave, good to have you. Uh, thanks for having me on. I so appreciate it. Your show on WMMB, twelve forty, AM, ninety two point seven FM. Not that that matters. You can pick him up on the iHeartRadio app. No matter yeah, where you just live. Go to billmick.com and you'll see everything you need there. Right. And and you don't have to get up if you're on the West Coast, you don't have to get up at three in the morning to do it. You can get the you can get the delayed on demand podcast later. And you can email All three hours every day plus our McNugget. Hmm. And the uh in the handbasket. Yep, that's true. So, we do that at six two every morning. And I was worried when when I lost George, because George and I were doing an after show podcast. Right. They, they told us they wanted something that we were already doing every day as the podcast. So we transitioned it into that in a handbasket segment. I'm thinking, man, I hope I have enough nutso stories to cover. <laughs> well, thanks for 2020. Yeah. <laughs> They're not hard to find. Anyway, uh, and you can get... I have the Blaze as a remarkable research. I love social issue stories anyway. Right. And the Blaze is full of them every day. So you can get me at Dave at the Dave Bowman Show.com, or you can always text me and voicemail me, 209-565-DAVE. That's uh, 565-3283. In the 209 area code, I kept the Central Valley phone for Very two good. reasons. For two reasons. One, I couldn't get one up here. And number two, 209-565-DAVE is a great number. Yeah, it is. Plus, it spells LOL date. L-O-L. L-O-L date. I like it. <laughs> Which is a great alternative. Bill, good to have you. I've had in the last 10 years. Yeah. (laughs) It works for me. We'll talk to everybody soon. This has been Plausibly Live, the Dave Bowman Show podcast, along with the Bill Mick Live Show, because he's in West by God, Virginia, not doing a show in Florida. So this is kind of Bill Mick Live, too. All right. All right, amigo. Talk to you soon. Once upon a time, 
there was Bill Mick live in the morning in Central Valley of California. And there we were. Bill in the one seat, in the main seat, the commander seat, and me over there in the, what do we call that, sports desk? Yeah, that's how it started out anyway. That first day was amazing. Anyway, Bill's here, and once upon a time, someone said of us that listening to you two guys in the morning is like sitting around the breakfast table, just having a family conversation with folks and I've always tried to make the show that vein, that that communication with that that isn't. I don't know what's the word I'm like. I, I, you know, Not you could, forced. right? And you could sit here and be lecturing and all that kind of stuff, but it, it, I really just want that friendly conversation with people. Does that make sense? You had to throw that friendly part in, didn't you? <laughs> Look, old ye of the radio taser. <laughs> See, I just hung up on people. I hate callers, man. I've always hated callers. I'm sorry. Shouldn't say you know, that. I but... do that a little differently. I kind of feed off of them. And they give me angles that I don't have. I don't have a producer anymore. I don't have a cast member on the show. It's just me. And I can preach for three hours if I need to. They don't let me pass a collection plate. Well, not a <laughs> physical one anyway. And I, I kind of like the interaction. Yeah, I do too. I just as uh, long as they're on topic. As long as they're what? On topic. On topic, yeah. But that's the problem. Is yeah. Hey, do you know where I can turn in my ballot? Your what? Your ballot. My ballot. Can you, do you know where I can go to mail my ballot? <laughs> uh, have they confiscated all your mailboxes? Uh, that's an inside joke, folks. Don't worry okay. about it. Bill's here. Um, Bill's always good to have Bill here. Um. Kind of in a weird setup today because Google Chrome decided to eat itself. So I'm actually manually doing everything, which is a little weird, but it's kind of fun. It's kind of technically challenging. This is the third take. So there's that. But I wanted to have Bill on because uh, I always enjoy talking with him. Number one, that's how I got my start in radio. And uh, all those years. Can you believe it's been 12 years since you left Modesto? That's hard to believe. But yeah, 12 years, crazy. That was a whale of a morning when he announced that he was leaving and I was taking over (laughs) having not discussed it with me before. (laughs) By the way, (laughs) Hey Dave, guess what? Oh, it was great. I was like, wait wait a minute, but then it worked out. Okay. So there you go. So how's, uh, you are, you had the cool thing of moving afternoons. I'd give my eye teeth to move to afternoon. Yeah, that was a tough decision. Um, Rich Hawkins, the new GM, called me in like the first or second day he was there and said, um, I need, you know, I was really worried because everything for 90 days had been about how I was going to be fired at the end of 90 days. I I was getting emails from listeners going, well, I can't wait for this 90 day trial to be up so you can get out of here. And I won't tell you which Dave Thomas sent me that. Um, But... (laughs) So, so I, I was kind of trepidatious going into the office about this meeting. And that's what he said to me. He says, I want you to think really hard about this. How would you feel about moving to afternoons? And I said, I've already thought about it. And I'm, yes. When, when can we start? Exactly. Can we do it tomorrow? So they came up with this plan, Bill. I don't know if I ever told you the plan. No. Because remember, up until that point, I'd been Dave Diamond. Which 
I never really liked per se, but hey, it, it is what it is, right? I and, understood the reason for it when you first came on with us, and it made sense. So yeah, I get it. Yeah, the the reason was because I was full time with another company that didn't want me on the air as my name because apparently people get upset about political politicizing nonprofit work. Anyway, the point being that I didn't really like the name, but I didn't really hate it either. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't my first choice, but you guys shot my first choice to pieces. So, um, what was the first choice? Herb Focacia. Yeah. I'd have shot that to pieces. That's true. <laughs> why? It does. I've never understood why. My second choice, um, my second choice was Randy Dolphin. That one. I'd have gone with that. Yeah, but nobody else would. As I recall, Heather shot that one to pieces. But, now, see, I don't remember that. <laughs> at any rate, so we ended up on this Dave Diamond. So, so here's the plan in January, man. Hi, whoever that is. Um, that is, see y'all later. <laughs> My sister's cleaning folks are leaving. Oh. Okay. So, good people. Well, isn't everybody in West Virginia good people? Um, no, I was a cop here, remember? <sighs> That's true. By the way, Bill is not in Florida. He is in West Virginia. He's taking some time off to visit the the homestead in, in West Virginia, West by God, Virginia. Sorry, I'm mispronouncing. And getting married last weekend, and it was really nice. Yeah. I just, I'm, I'm just mentioning the fact that you're not in Florida. I'm not. Is the court aware that Bill is not in Florida? I was just now. pointing out that Bill is not in Florida, and <laughs> he's in West by God, Virginia. Anyway, so the plan, Bill, was, so so after Rich comes up with this, and, and by the way, Rich Hawkins was a great GM. I really enjoyed working for him. And he... Uh, so he comes up with this plan. This is like the first week in January. And he wants to make the shift on the 1st of February, which actually was the 2nd of February, as I recall, because it was a Monday. Okay. Michael Savage is in that time slot. He is worse than useless. His, his ratings were zeros. No ads. When he tried to go up for work, yeah. yeah. No ads were being sold. Nothing. So Rich's idea was we'd have six hours. We'd have a 9 a.m. or a 6 a.m. news program that was local. And then me in the afternoon. It was a great idea. So he says to me, here's what we're going to do. Two weeks before this, in other words, mid-January, we're just going to yank you off the air. No explanations, nothing. And then in two weeks, February 2nd, we'll bring you back as Dave Bowman. Okay. Let it stew, you know, kind of get people upset, riled up. You know, what's why is Dave off the air? And, and my first thought was that's never going to work because – at least half the people listening hate me anyway. They all want Bill back. But then, like three days before they were going to do this, I guess the rating book came out. The fall rating book came out. And, Bill, I had kicked ass in the ratings. Oh, man, that's great. So so he's like, well, I can't just yank him off the air now. because. <laughs> so we announced we were moving the afternoon. I went to the gym one afternoon. I'm running on the elliptical. Got my headphones on. These headphones, as a matter of fact. And uh, some guy comes up. And he's yelling at me, standing in front of the elliptical, just screaming at me. What the hell, dude? Stop. Take the headphones off. What's the matter? Who do you think you are taking Michael Savage off the air and putting him in your and putting yourself in his place? Like, are you kidding me? That's what I had to put up with, Bill, for like a month and a half. I believe it. You know, I was convinced early in my career that anybody who sits behind a microphone for any length of time will develop a loyal following 
Who knows what the numbers are, but those loyal followers will be there. You know, while I'm gone this week, Joe Pags, that we air from 6 to 9 in the evenings on WMMB, we're recording his show the day before, playing it while I'm gone the next morning. And I get the complaints. I don't like listening to Joe Pags in the morning. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I don't have any staff to cover my vacation. And he's a nationally syndicated show, and they allow us to do that. And Joe does a good job. I like what Joe does on the air. So works for me. They miss me, and I'm still giving them quality radio in the morning when I'm gone. And they're, they're anxious for you to come back. Yeah, that's, absolutely. See, that's one of the things I told Rich one day because we, we'd do this guest host thing. And I would always choose – I hate to say this now because some of them are probably still listening. I would not choose guest hosts based on their ability to best me. That's wise. Well, I had to explain that to Rich one day. He says, your guest hosts are terrible. I said, I know. Aren't you glad I'm coming back? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, now that you mention it, yeah, I guess I am. That doesn't mean they didn't try. It doesn't mean they weren't good people. It just means that they weren't radio people. They didn't. Well, you know. and most people who try radio or who are even used to being guests on radio, they don't get making good radio. And that's not their first priority. Their first priority is push their agenda while they have the microphone on. And that never makes for good radio absent a discussion with a host. Right. Which is part of the problem. And then, and then you throw in the guest host thing where you're not really familiar. Everybody thinks, everybody thinks that they can do this. That's the number one question I still get to this day, Bill. How do I get my own show? And everybody in thinks market, they can. Pay for it by the hour, yeah. baby. That's every market now. I mean, there is no, there really is no functional ability for people to get into radio being hired into radio unless you just, you, you got to know somebody who knows somebody. I mean, that's the only way to do it. Christ, that's yeah. how I did it. I knew somebody. Everybody who's produced my show outside of the time I spent in Modesto, because I walked into a working crew there, everybody who's produced my show in Melbourne started out as an intern right, and worked their way into a part-time and later full-time production job, not an on-air job, but the production job. And some of those transitioned to on-air doing other things down the road. I always enjoyed producing that to this day. That's still my, I mean, I, I said that earlier about having to manually operate it. I'd still prefer that. Um, if I could work my way somewhere back into a producing job, I, I always enjoyed that being on air is great. It's fine. How do you feel about living on the space coast? If I could talk them into it, I'd bring you in. You know, finish. you know, the truth of the matter is, is, uh, and I got to say this politely, Bill, I hate Florida, but even more than me hating the Florida. The thing about technology is, you could do it from Washington. I know I could, and and I would be happy to do that. Uh, my wife would not be happy living in Florida, so. But we could talk. Well, about I can it. understand that. Yeah, but I always love producing, and 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 I've told you this. I've worked out a way for us to do a live show. It's it's, you know, obviously technology sometimes is an issue, but as a general rule of thumb, it works. At any rate, um, I always enjoyed producing. I when I got when I got promoted to the producer for On the Road, man. That was great. And then that turned into co-hosting on the road, which I wasn't so sure about. Uh-huh. And that was, uh, I learned, I, that's, you know. That was a fun little show, though. I enjoyed it. It was. And then you learn the ropes, and then and then the ropes change, and then you end up uh, in the big seat hosting the, the big show, and it was quite an adventure. So 
we uh, we still talk. Bill and I still talk. And one of the things I, I there's several things I want to get into today that had nothing to do with us being on radio together. Um, one of the things I want to talk about is uh, we got a listener who listened to both your show and my show who is undergoing some medical treatment right now, Mr. Officer Messina. And I yeah, wanted to give you a chance. People, man. Yeah. I, I know he's he listens to both of us. Yeah. I know he listens to both of us. I wanted to give you a chance to kind of talk about Mr. Messina there and, and what he meant to you when you were in Oakdale and, and kind of sent him some, some good vibes here. I saw his Facebook post this morning, I believe it was, and he, and he was taking another treatment and talking about how many he had to go, what was going on. Um, Max was the school resource officer at Oakdale High when Tyler started high school when we moved out there. He was a huge positive influence on my son, who is now, he's been a deputy sheriff for nearly seven years, and he just left the sheriff's department and moved to Titusville PD. And he's been with them a couple of months now and thoroughly loves the work. And it's because of the inspiration of people like Max and the dedication that he showed and the quality people that he is. Um, I hope he's in a situation where he can hammer the fire out of this illness and uh, be around for a long, long time because he's quality people. And he's one of those folks, when you move to a community, you were glad you met him and uh, just a wonderful guy and hate to see him go through this stuff. Yeah, Max was always a he's, he's been a really good listener through the years, and you know it was kind of one of those things. He 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 was a listener, loyal listener of the Bill Mick Live Show when it was in Modesto, and then when I took over, he stayed with me. And there there were a lot of folks who did, but Max was one of those guys who he didn't communicate a lot with me, but he did regularly communicate and still does. So uh, Max, we uh, we certainly wish you the best, and we want you to be uh, healthy. Are you okay? We Max, we want you to be healthy and. We want you to get through this. What are Did you I doing? Did I tell you my sister's house is in the flight pattern for the airport? No, you didn't. That's just what happened. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I haven't been to West Virginia since 1988, man. I was still a cop. Hey, well, so here's the thing. I used to have a Volkswagen Scirocco, but one of the ones that was an import, it was from Germany. So it was... Uh, the Scirocco's were not the fastest car on the road, but they were they were good cars for and Highway yeah. 60, what is it through Eagle's Nest? Down by Charleston. Yeah, right. yeah, that's a great road. In fact, it was such a great drive that I went out of my way to go back that way when I came back through. Did you really? Yes. Yeah, I was going to Norfolk from Oklahoma City. And I went through West Virginia just to just to do that road again. Very cool. So I'm glad fun. you did. All right, so let's get to it. Have you been? You've uh, you watched any of the conventions? Because I haven't. I watched uh, Tim Scott's speech the other night, mainly because I was sitting in the family room with my brother-in-law, and that's what he had on. Hmm. I very much agree with you that there's little of substance in the conventions to really have an impact on those of us who are plugged in, like you and I are. I'm not even we sure I'm plugged in anymore. About whether they impact anybody else. Right. And that's, see what I'm finding, Bill, is somebody was asking me about this this morning because he was, he was saying, you must be really stressed out right now. And I'm like, you know, I've learned to compartmentalize my anger about political things. 
But the person who hasn't learned to do that is my wife, who does things like, I'm trying to calm down. You know, she's a nurse, so she's got to get up early. She gets up at like five in the morning. So she wants to go to bed early. But then she starts watching Ben Shapiro and Fox News <laughs> stuff. And it's like, she's just like, can I talk to you about this? And I'm like, I thought you were trying to calm down. Stop watching that stuff. Stop. If you're trying to calm down, that's not going to help you any. Yeah. Man, she just has turned into this rabid conservative, almost activist. But, of course, she can't talk about any of it at work because it's work and you don't do that. And she comes home and wants to talk to me about it. And I'm like, I spend my whole day immersed in this stuff. And right. even I don't care. I don't, you know, I, I don't watch conventions. I don't watch. I'm really hoping they don't have any debates because I don't want to watch them. Yeah, the debates, um, I will watch them for the comedy factor. Can't you get that afterwards? That is the same plane. He's playing. <laughs> it's the same air, And it, it's like a little laywax plane or something. It's got a big dome on top. It's like, dude, it's West Virginia. We don't have terrorists. We don't have foreign Navy. Go away. Right, but you do have all that infrastructure for for the president to survive in. Oh, wait, I'm not supposed uh, to talk about that. It's a tourist attraction now. Yeah, I know. They've got another one oh. somewhere. <laughs> Probably Louisiana. I yeah. don't know. I don't know, man. I just somebody was talking tweeting today about if they did the debates as a Zoom meeting, so just left, right. Trump, Biden, no moderators, no questions, none of that BS. And they just said, okay, today we're going to talk about your position on foreign affairs, your position on domestic affairs, your position on the economy. And just let them go, you know, the way Lincoln and Douglas did. Sure. That, I might, that I might watch, but I think the other debates have turned into a popularity show for news anchors. A lot of that's true. And depending on the network, the anchors who were selected, it's a game of got you for one candidate or the other. And the, the news agenda is never far from the topic. And if they would allow, forget the time limits, let the candidates interrupt each other on the points that they're making, let them have that discussion. I would like that a lot better. I'm, I'm with you there. Um, but the conventions, the debates, Sadly, Dave, where we disagree is that I think there will be people influenced by them. I think there have been already because I would estimate that far fewer than 50% of the super voting public, I'm talking people who vote in every election because they're patriotic Americans and they feel like that's their obligation as a citizen to vote in every election Less than 50% of them are clued into what the real issues are, and they will be influenced by what they see and hear on television, radio, and in the media. See, I'm, I, I, I hear what you're saying, and I've heard people say that for years, but I'm just not convinced that there's nobody that hasn't made up their mind. I, I, I'm blown away by the idea that by oh, no. this point— They think they, they've yeah. made up their mind now. Right. They think they know, but so, they will be influenced and swayed by what is said. And I realize you and I have our perspectives and our points of view, and, and I heard what was laid out in the Democratic Convention, and I thought, how can half the country be dumb enough to listen to that? And now I see what Tim Scott said the other night, what others are saying in the Republican Convention. And yes, that makes more sense to me 
because I am philosophically aligned that direction, although I won't agree with everything. Most of it I will. And I don't see how the other side can see it that way. There are others who are far less plugged in than you and I are that will be influenced by that. I've got friends who are in elected office there in Brevard County. We are known as a conservative county. We are known as a county that helped put Donald Trump over the top in 2016. First place he came after he was elected on the thank you tour was to our airport, an event I will never go to another one, but it was eight or nine hours of a day that I'm glad I saw and participated in. But yet in this last election, we turned out a very conservative school board member who is talking common sense, budget issues, who has handled herself well over the four years she was was in office, and she got beat by a 32-year-old speech therapist who hadn't been on the planet long enough to understand the big budget that she's got because she's teaching eight-year-olds how to talk in school. And we've turned out a, a business professional for a teacher because the teachers' unions control the union vote and the teacher vote there. And, and, they, and they beat a solid conservative gal. We are not as conservative locally as we like to think we are nationally. And those people are going to be swayed. They just are. I think that's true of every district. I mean, I, I used to say this about Modesto and the Central Valley. People used to talk about the conservative Central Valley. And I kept looking at the numbers going, you're not as conservative as you think you are. That's exactly right. And, of course, here it's a, my particular area. See, they only break these things down by county. So Kitsap County will almost always be blue because of Bainbridge Island. But it's the western suburb of Seattle. It's where the rich Seattle people who don't want to deal with all the crap that's going on in Seattle move to. So, But the rest of the county is military. So it tends to run red. But, you know, there's not enough of us to outweigh the the other folks. And then when you factor in the entire sixth congressional district, which is gigantic, the entire Olympic peninsula, you know, it's, it's, we might be conservative right here, but we're lean that way, but it's not, we're not as conservative as we think. Now, the, the question though, Bill is okay. It doesn't matter who you're paying attention to on social media or regular media Everybody that's a Democrat or leans left thinks that the Democrat convention was fantastic and the Republican convention is full of crap. And everybody that leans right or is a Republican thinks that the Republican convention is fantastic and the Democrat convention was full of crap. So, Except for that one that I sent you the story about last week. Right, and except for the one that I sent you right back, canceling that one out. Uh, No, it didn't either. Because (laughs) you sent me somebody from the swamp who is ticked that Washington has been disturbed by Trump. Right, but he's still gonna he's still voting for Biden because even though he's a Republican, just like your guy who is a Democrat is voting for for Trump even though he's a Democrat. The difference is my guy is more indicative of mainstream America. Right, but he's still just one guy. He is one guy representative of the general electorate that if they're paying attention, they're gonna be swayed by that stuff. The guys in the swamp were never gonna they were mostly all anti-Trumpers anyway, Hmm. never Trumpers. Have we reached the point, in your opinion, have we reached the point where party loyalty no longer matters, that if you just hate the person that's, that's, that's there? I mean, I've been doing a lot of study back in the 1876 election and the 
the, the results from that. And there was a time where, okay, I don't like this guy, but he's my party, so I'm going to put that aside. Kind of like, uh, like the vice presidential gal, what's her name? Kamala Harris, you know? <laughs> Joe, you're a pedophile. Joe, you're this. Joe, you're... But she takes that in the interest of party unity or whatever. Have we, well, have she we... also thinks in six months she's going to be president. I don't think she is. I don't, well, I don't know where that comes well, from. I don't think she, they're going to get elected. But in her mind, if we get elected, Joe ain't making it through the first term, much less into two. Why do people think that? Well, he's feeble. He, he's losing his mind if he hadn't lost it already. He can't string two sentences, well, one sentence together, much less two. Okay, but he couldn't do that in the early primaries either. No, and how he survived that, I don't know. You know how he survived I'm it. He didn't have a convention surprise and have Hillary or something as the nominee, to be honest. No, they're not going to. They can't do that anymore. Because the. Can you imagine that all these people that had voted for. For Joe Biden, I mean, look at look at what happened in 2016 with with Bernie and Hillary and the super delegates and all that BS. Yeah, um, yeah. They they couldn't if they did that, it would destroy the the party. But see this this mindset that Joe is on his way out. I concede that Joe is being controlled by someone. That someone is pulling Joe's strings. Yeah, I don't but think that, he picked Camilla. But well, you know he didn't. But whoever it is that but, but Camilla is the She's not in line with Joe. So who's ever pulling Joe's strings doesn't necessarily want Joe to go away. But Kamala brings, I guess, something to the table. I don't know what that something is, but supposedly it's a progressive agenda. And maybe maybe they're trying to attract Bernie. I, I don't know. But I rarely have See, I I'm seen. Not Joe's controlling guy is controlling Joe to have Joe there. He's controlling Joe to have Joe bring that progressive alliance behind him, and then they move Joe out of the way, and they're in place already. Right, but do you think Kamala is going to respond to that same control? I mean, this is a I woman think, who— I think she's part of the cabal that is the control. Huh. Well, she sure didn't show it in the primaries. Pardon? <laughs> she sure didn't show it in the primaries. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the backroom stuff. Why not? Not the— it's the, hey, we've got to get our agenda in some way. The only way we have a shot of being elected is to have somebody who has been there forever. He represents the swamp that Trump, that Trump is trying to clean out, and he knows Washington. And Democrats, run-of-the-mill Democrats will back him. Run-of-the-mill Democrats will not back a Bernie Sanders, a Kamala Harris, as we saw in the primaries. But they were. So they were they backing him. They say, were backing we him. They were backing him until— it became a campaign issue until it became clear that if Bernie Sanders was the nominee, they were not going to just lose. They were going to get bitch slapped into the next election. And it wasn't I, I don't think they rejected Bernie on the basis of his ideas. I think they rejected Bernie on the idea of if we elect this guy, we may never see another Democrat in the White House. I mean, we watched what happened, Bill. We saw the we saw the reaction to it, mainline Democrats talking about how. We can't nominate this guy. And, and he was running away with it. And then Biden was, what was the word the New York Times, moribund? His campaign was over. It was done. He didn't. Yeah. And in South Carolina, boom, all of a sudden, if, if they really, if they really didn't want Bernie and they really thought Kamala was the guy, why didn't they, why didn't they coalesce behind Kamala or Tulsi Gabbard? 
that she is as socialist as Bernie is. Right, but she doesn't say it. He says it. That was the problem. It wasn't yeah. that he was a socialist, it's that he keeps saying it. Well, they're going to fool some of the people some of the time with Joe on top of the ticket. But I think all of us realize he's not going to be driving the bus. Well, I don't know that that's true of any candidate outside of Trump. I mean, Trump is certainly, uh, he's certainly an independent. He's about the most independent president we've ever had, uh, certainly and since I'm the turn of century. And I'm enjoying that part of it, to yeah. be honest. I really am. It's, it's something that I find attractive about him. I'll be honest, I'm enough of a chaosian to enjoy how much he spins up people and the realization that most 99% of what he says is just to piss people off. I mean, it, it really is. Um, He's got a gift. Yeah, <laughs> that makes it enjoyable to me, and I've, I've, I've enjoyed watching that. And I, I'll tell people now, well, who are you voting for? I'm voting for Trump because it'll piss you off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I have no problem doing that. There's nothing in Donald Trump that I particularly like. But there's a whole lot in Joe Biden and certainly in Kamala Harris that I don't like. And I don't. Exactly. And I like the idea that Trump will thumb his nose at the lifelong politician Republicans, the never Trumpers and the, the moderate, weak Republicans that aren't conservative, but like to talk it until they're elected. Right. I like that he thumbs his nose at those people. I think his court picks have been good so far. And I think that will influence the country far longer than maybe even his presidency would. Right. And I think that those are issues that that certainly should be considered. I'm blown away by people who are moderate to right telling me that that Donald Trump is he's rude and crude and I don't like him. And so I have to vote for Biden and Harris with with no other consideration in this. I mean. Okay, I, there's a lot of people I don't like that I think would be, be really good presidents. Uh, there's a lot of people I do like who I think would be terrible presidents. Amen. But, I'm with you. And, you know, this whole thing about Trump's past, about his history with women or whatever the case may be, uh, we're not electing a pastor or a priest or a rabbi. We're electing a president. You don't get to the point where you can win that nomination without being somebody who knows how to play hardball, business-wise, politically, whatever it may be. These are not the guy you run to for confession or marital advice. <laughs> These are guys that you say, I need this done. I need it done now. And how do we get there? Right. And, and I think he is strong there. I wish he'd put Twitter down. I don't I, like ugh, what he does there. Yeah. yeah. But he can create a distraction in a heartbeat. And then all of a sudden he's done something that nobody saw coming. Right. So maybe the master, and we're just not recognizing that enough. Oh, I think I'm, you know, I, I think I see the game and I think I see what he's doing. And it took me a while to figure it out, but, but I do enjoy the way he's, he certainly spins people up. And it's, to me, that's oh, yeah. impressive. And yeah, and he doesn't care. That's, that's the part I wish I could get to in my own life. When people piss me off, I wish I could just not care. Well, did you like how at the state of the union, he I, had I didn't watch it. everybody who's hated Rush Limbaugh for 30 years applauding him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that was uh, that was pretty amazing. So speaking of Rush, let's let's change gears here for just a second. Um, Rush, as we all know, is is ill. The, the severity of that illness, I don't think he's ever going to tell anybody. But the, the reality of it is eventually there isn't going to be Rush. 
what do you think happens? Well, that's true for all of us. Yeah, but what but what happens to? I mean, in in the world of conservative talk radio, Rush is the glue. I mean, he he's the whether you agree with him or not, and I find myself disagreeing with him a lot. Um, but he is the gold standard. And there's no. Yes. What happens when he's gone? What happens to, to talk radio in general, do you think? Not just conservative, but all of it. Because even if the leftists. If I were the head of the talk division of Premier Radio, if I were iHeart's director of talk program, I would be in negotiations with Rush Limbaugh's company mm-hmm. to take those three hours and... Um, continue the excellence in broadcasting network. I would audition and use for a period of time guest hosts and not necessarily the ones he's using now. Right. I would look at the guys like Ben Shapiro. I wouldn't look at Hannity or Beck. They've carved out their own slots. They are, they have their own national entity right now, but there's a Ben Shapiro out there. There's a, a Dave Bowman out there. There is somebody who can carry that national conversation. And what you do is you intersperse it and, and you, and you daily pay homage to what Rush Limbaugh did to our industry. Mm-hmm. And you play his daily updates. Once a day, you go back and you pull a clip from 89 or 92 or, or 2018. And you keep him in memory and you honor him and, and you call it, the uh, Limbaugh Institute hmm. for three hours a day. Yeah. And you continue in that vein with somebody that they find. And, and again, of the names we're kicking around, the first one that, that comes is, is uh, Shapiro, who I think would be capable of that. Uh, I'm not a fan of Mark Stein as far as the talk radio show. Philosophically, I like the guy. I, I don't think he carries the radio show as well. Um, he, he has a couple of other guys, one of them from out your way, one of them from Philadelphia, uh, that do a decent job as a guest host. I'm not sure they're national host material for the primetime show of the day. Yeah. But I would find somebody like that and I would continue to pay homage and recognize Rush Limbaugh and what he did. I'm certain that the guy from out this way is not capable of that, but that's my own opinion. And I would also say that for $32 million a year, I'm available. Exactly. I'd even move to Florida. You know what? That'd be a good thing. <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't know what else you want to talk about, but we got to talk about baseball because we always talk about baseball. <sighs> 60 game season. Yeah. If it lasts, the NBA season's apparently over. No, no. They voted this morning to continue. Did they? Yeah. See, this, is the, this makes no sense to me. And this is the kind of thing that, okay. So we have a black guy shot in the back seven times by a police officer, right? No reaction. We have a white 17-year-old who shouldn't be there who shoots two white protesters, four white protesters, there's two of me kills, and now we got to have everything shut down for a day. But then a day later we say, okay, that's done. Let's, let's start playing again. Where, where's the logic to this? Where... This is what there, frustrates uh, people. That's this is what frustrates people about this whole thing is there's no consistency of message at all. Dave, I've talked about it. I'm pretty sure you've talked about it. 
where corporate America, and let's not pretend that, that major league sports are not corporate America because that's what they are. They have caved, not just them, Coke, Pepsi, Walmart, Target, whoever. They have all caved to this social agenda nonsense and feel like they have to play to that at some point. Mm. And they've done various things, including Black Lives Matter on the court at the NBA, uh, messages that will be in the, in the end zone and around on the advertising in NFL stadiums. I haven't seen what they're doing in Major League Baseball because I haven't watched any of it. Mm. Um, I, I did listen to some Cincinnati Reds while I was here, listening to the Reds on radio. Why? I don't know, because they are hapless this year, <laughs> as they have been for several. Because baseball on the radio is better. It's phenomenal. I love it. And when you and I both done some of that, yeah. and you know, it, it, give me my my dream job, broadcasting baseball, Major League Baseball, and it would be great. That would be fun. And make me the producer, and I'd be real happy. That's uh, see, that's my dream podcast. I, I I kept doing this because the Dave Bowman Show was about politics, events, and all that kind of stuff, and it's what people are familiar to hear. I'll tell you, Bill, if I had my withers. Is that a word? Withers? Druthers. Druthers. You're Southern. Yeah. You're, you're Southern. Tell me the right word here. Brothers. Okay. If I had, brother. if I had that, man, this would be a sports talk show. And because uh, I care a lot more about sports than I do about politics. And I know that's a strange thing to say from coming from a conservative talk show host. But the truth of the matter is I'd much rather talk about sports or history on a daily basis. Yeah. Oh, I love the history stuff you do. I have fun doing it. I learn something every time. This whole 1876 thing has been fascinating to me. I, I just, man, I had no idea. I had no idea when I started delving into that. What was going on? I, mean, I never knew your wife was from Minsk. <laughs> That's a different show. That's Do Not yeah, Resuscitate. Yeah, but it led up to it. Yeah, it did. Um, <laughs> that show's fun, too, Do Not Resuscitate. But I just, man. I told you we have to rename it. See, I don't know that we do. We're the finest. Yeah. WTF. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I know we've been arguing about that for a couple of weeks now. And I just, my approach to that is until I get a cease and desist letter from somebody, screw them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Let it be. Screw them. So it's, it's not there. I don't know, man. But anyway, I, you're back to baseball. I'm back to Thank baseball. for, uh pushing me to Korean ball. I'm yeah. enjoying watching those. That's, it's good baseball. It's not Major League Baseball, but it's it's pretty dang good. Yeah. Um, I saw today where one of the teams in baseball, Lotte, fired their number one overall pick for next year. Because really? he turned out, he's a high schooler, uh, it turned out that he was a bully in high school. So they fired him. They released him. But they've retained they have behavioral standards. Well, yeah, there? yeah. But what they did was back in the seventies, the Broncos did this. Seventy six, as a matter of fact, the year before they went to the Super Bowl, they had a, three or four players that kind of led a revolt against John Ralston, the coach. We want him out, and so the owner did. He replaced him with Red Miller, the coach. But he also told those three players, Billy Van Heusen, and I don't remember who the other two were, but you'll never play in the NFL again. And he retained their right. He still retains their rights today and will not let them ah. play. So that's what Lote did to this guy. They, they basically said, you're not playing in our league and we hold your rights. So you're not playing overseas either for being a bully in high school. How much 
do those rights go beyond the borders of the Korean Baseball Association? Well, that's, you know, you look at it and you go, well, that, but, but remember that these leagues, major leagues, Nippon League, Korean League, they've all negotiated all of that. And that's why, because those players are, are valuable assets for those leagues. So when those players can go overseas, they get those teams. I think the, the, isn't it like $20 million for the Japan Japanese league? So a player like Hideo Nomo or Hinjin Ryu goes to the United States. That team gets about a year's worth of operating income for that. Oh, wow. So okay. yeah, they're, they're jealously guarding those rights. They don't give those up unless they're getting something seriously um, worthwhile in return. My question would be, why did Major League Baseball negotiate with them anyway? Because, or any of these other leagues? Because the problem, Bill, and this is, you know, you, you, it all comes back to money. I mean, it's always about money. Sure. The problem is if players go to you, in other words, if, if, I can, if I'm the Major League Baseball team and I can go over to Japan – and just buy, you know, just sign players. What's to keep them from doing the same thing? And I know it sounds silly. Well, it's like we do in the Dominican or anywhere else. Right. Out. Right. And, yeah. and I know it sounds silly because really how many, but what happens when, I don't know, pick a player, Tejon Walker, he just got traded, um, is unhappy with his current team because they're not going to give him what he wants. And he starts playing well, I could go over to Korea for, for twice what you're paying me. And, and players do that already. They bounce teams against each other and, and the likes of that. But, but at least inside the United States, you can, you can, what's that word they use, collude to stop that? Yeah. <laughs> but once you get outside national boundaries, you can't. So they, they, they really negotiated this whole thing tight. So players can't just jump internationally unless, they've been, unless they're complete free agents. In which case, who cares? Right. Was the kid uh, Addison Russell? I guess just went to Korea last month. And that's a kid I watched in port in, in port in Portsmouth, it's a Stockton, the ports. Right, and he was a he was amazing. You knew he was going to make the major leagues. He goes to the major leagues with with the A's. They trade him to the Cubs. Um, he wins a World Series with the Cubs. Then he has his issues, you know, and now he's in Korea. But I uh, had a conversation with Zach Berruti one day watching the ports and the Lancaster Jethawks because Delino DeShields was playing for the Jethawks. And he grounded to Addison Russell, who threw him out to Matt Olson at first base. And I said to him, do you ever just feel like you're watching the all-star game five years from now? <laughs> and he says, oh yeah. And all three of those guys were. I'm happy for Zach. Uh, it's a shame his season got wiped uh, out this year. Tell but, you, man. Uh, that's... Glad to see him move up. He's a good guy. Yeah. I, if if the Red Sox were smart, they'd sign him. But <laughs> then again, it's the Red Sox. So <laughs> that is literally the only thing that could get me to watch or listen to a Red Sox game would be Zachary going there. I'm so tired. And, and I don't know. I guess it's because of the market sizes and all being East Coast. I'm tired of turning on the TV <sighs> and flipping through baseball. And every other day, it's Yankees, Yankees Red, Red Sox. Sox. Yankees, Red Sox. Yankees, Red Sox. Yankees, Red Sox. Hey, it's... Game 37 and of the Yankees. In Florida, if it's not Yankees, Red Sox, it's Tampa Bay Yankees or Tampa Bay Red Sox. Stop it. <laughs> okay. Let me see Houston every now and then. I want to see somebody throwing at, at, at uh, hitters. Oh, did you see the A's do that? Oh, my God, that was wonderful. 
when they, oh, when well, they, I'm glad they did. Oh man, it was beautiful. And the Mariners have been in with them. So I get the Mariners up here, but because I don't have cable television, I can't actually watch them. I heard you talk about that. Right. Yeah. So I worked out a way to watch them anyway that I'm not going to talk about because I don't want Major League Baseball finding out that I'm doing it. But right. VPN. Um, um, but the uh, man, it's I tell you, the game is my my heart and soul. It, it really is, and it's it's hard to watch it this year because it's just not. It, the Fox Television was using computer generated fans the other day in the Angels Dodgers game in the stands. Right. So you would see fans cheering in the stands in the outfield. And then they would cut to the other camera, you know, the ground level camera, and they'd be gone. And nobody's there. <laughs> I'm like, that is so stupid. Why do you do that? And but, you don't get Bud Light's best advertising in years holding both of his beers, taking a baseball in the chest, if you don't have people there to watch. Right. All I can think of is Star Trek and the the arena games where the where they had those little dials with the boos and hisses and the gladiators fighting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just and Michelito Loveless was there. Oh God, what a great thing that was. Well, that's uh, that's about all the time I got for today, man. It's always good to talk to you. This. We don't do this nearly often enough. No, we don't, and we should really seriously talk about doing a a real show. And I think uh, I think it, here's the question to people, your listeners as well as mine. I I think people would enjoy that. Well, I know they did in Modesto, and I know you and I enjoyed it when we were together right. there. No, I get... know we both enjoyed every time we've been together on your podcast since, right. or if you've been on my show, which has happened, what, once or twice for each of us, I guess. It has. Yep. And uh, it, it's, I'm looking forward to being able to do that. But Can you imagine? We'll can you I'm Im- doing six days a week now. How many more do I have to do? Yeah, I know, but can you imagine... Now, for those of you that are in the non-Florida audience, you won't get this, but can you imagine the two of us on the air when Olin calls? Oh, that would be so hilarious. And, I you know, would... his call, what was it, two, three weeks ago? Oh, now, God. Yeah. Kind of a step. I've known, and you can tell from the way he talks, he has those leanings. I'm a free speech guy. If he doesn't cross the FCC line, I'm okay with him spouting his opinion. But I'm going to challenge him on it. Right. I think part of what we're here to do is to have a legitimate conversation, even with people who are blatantly offensive. Did you get any reaction? I mean, was there any official reaction to that? Was there any complaint? I mean, you've gotten complaints in the past about stupid crap. And and yet you get this guy on the show and nothing? Not a word. Either nobody called to complain or the complaints are falling on deaf ears because of the repeated BS complaints that we've had previously, right? Uh, many of whom come from, or many of which come from, an elected official in the county, <laughs> <laughs> or they just realized that. I, I I think, and and for those of you who missed it, maybe I'll link it up in the in the write up for this. But Bill had a caller that was. I, I get this a lot with the well, nobody really thinks that way anymore, Bill. Nobody really thinks that way. Nobody thinks that way, and then you realize that. Yeah, there really are people who do think that way. And now he's on the older end of the listening audience. That could be part of the explanation, right? He grew up in the deep south. I can understand where it came from. I don't understand him holding on to it. Um, 
but yeah, it was, and I told him it shocked me. I was surprised. I was, I was absolutely stunned that it didn't go to a singular word that I was fully expecting to hear. I was expecting to hear it dumped, but, but I'm surprised it didn't go there. You know, I kind of expected it to, and I'm not sure I would have dumped the word, but I would have dumped the caller because of the word, right? Because such word usage today, I've actually had it on the air from other callers in the last 12 years, mm. but the use of that word today gets radio hosts fired from their job. You cannot have a, even a technical discussion of that word and rest secure that your job's going to be there. Right. It just, you can't do it. Or that you're going to have to fork over, what is it, $320,000 per occurrence? I don't think it's FCC violation. It's a social contract violation right. with the company is it having come down to in Buffalo. Right. They fired that, that cast for not stopping what went on. Is it? Is they fired it, the girl who said it. Then they fired the host who didn't admonish her on the air. Right. Is it safe harbor at all? Is it, it can I, I haven't see I've been out of radio now for seven years, so I don't even look anymore. Is it safe, safe harbor? Safe harbor applies to ten PM to six AM where you can say anything and do things that are a little off color. Yeah. But I don't feel because the FCC language is written so vaguely so they can interpret it as they want to, yeah. I don't trust safe harbor to be safe harbor. Yeah. Well, that's a discussion for another day, probably. Anyway, it, I was going to say to your audience, my audience, if 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 Bill and me is, is you know Bill Mick Live with Dave is a, something you'd be interested in, I I think we could do a weekly real show, get you in your studio, get a get a good hookup, and and all that kind of stuff. I think we could do it and make it sound really we, good. We could find a way to make that happen. And and here's uh, the brilliance of it, Bill. We can take phone calls, and I can screen them and run them back to you. There's a way to do it. Have we needed a phone call today? No, but I'm just okay. saying that's fine with me, but I know you like them, so it's, you know. Well, you're... I don't mind them. I don't, and especially when I'm preaching. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, I let my callers bring anything up on a Wednesday. It's wide open Wednesday. It's been that way since before Modesto. <laughs> um, but on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, you're talking about what I'm talking about or I'm not going to talk to you. Yeah. Well, that's easy when you have a producer. Not so easy when somebody calls up and said, hey, is the library open today? Do you know where I can take my ballot? Yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, well. I had a produ- So you did the Wide Open Wednesday thing, and I just kept doing it because it was tradition, right? And we get this new, I don't know what to call him. His official title was program director for talk radio for the entire cluster. And and he was like, don't ever let callers decide what the topic is. Stop doing that. He also, he also said, quote, famously, the audience hates Constitution Thursday. Wrong. Well, you know, it's like, okay, dude, whatever. That's the problem, too. There are so many. There's nobody in my building who's done talk radio. Yeah. There. I don't have mentors to go to other than nationally. Right. And a lot of them I have found have been moved into positions where they 
are program people. They're program managers. Mm -hmm. They have, you know, really nice titles and really great salaries, but they've never sat behind a mic and run a talk show and had to talk about something as if they knew what they were talking about for three hours a day. And they don't get it. They come from the music side of the business. Right. And they're used to opening a mic for seven seconds or 15 seconds at the most, a couple of minutes if they're doing a bit and they don't have to carry a conversation no. and they don't understand the work we do to be ready to do three hours a day. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. And I used to tell people wide open Wednesdays were worse for prep time because you, you didn't know what was coming. And so, you know, you kind of, you kind of think you, you get as ready as you can, but then somebody hits you out of the blue with with something and it's like i don't know anything about that so you've got your microphone on quiet while you're screaming through the internet trying to figure out what the hell they're talking about you know what i i figured out a way around that i ask better questions when i'm ignorant anyway right so i just ask them to explain it and let them go on for a little bit yeah that's one way to do it i guess i guess yeah. i'm just i'm just i'm just too ocd to do that so I, well, yeah, that's that's where you and I differ a little bit. That's true. <laughs> Bill, it's always good to talk to you, my friend. Always Dave, good to have you. Uh, thanks for having me on. I so appreciate it. So your show on WMMB, 1240 AM, 92.7 FM. Not that that matters. You can pick them up on the iHeartRadio app no matter yeah, where you live. Go to com and you'll see everything you need there. Right. And and you don't have to get up if you're on the West Coast, you don't have to get up at three in the morning to do it. You can get the you can get the delayed on demand podcast later. And you can email All three hours every day plus our McNugget. Hmm. And the uh in the handbasket. Yep, that's true. So, we do that at six two every morning. And I was worried when when I lost George, because George and I were doing an after show podcast. Right. They, they told us they wanted something that we were already doing every day as the podcast. So we transitioned it into that in a handbasket segment. I'm thinking, man, I hope I have enough nutso stories to cover. <laughs> well, thanks for 2020. Yeah. <laughs> They're not hard to find. Anyway, uh, and you can get... I have the Blaze as a remarkable research. I love social issue stories anyway. Right. And the Blaze is full of them every day. So you can get me at Dave at the DaveBowmanShow.com, or you can always text me and voicemail me, 209-565-DAVE. That's uh, 565-3283. In the 209 area code, I kept the Central Valley phone for Very two good. reasons. For two reasons. One, I couldn't get one up here. And number two, 209-565-DAVE is a great number. Yeah, it is. Plus, it spells LOL date. L-O-L. L-O-L date. I like it. <laughs> Which is a great alternative. Bill, good to have you here. I've had in the last 10 years. Yeah. (laughs) It works for me. We'll talk to everybody soon. This has been Plausibly Live, the Dave Bowman Show podcast, along with the Bill Mick Live Show, because he's in West by God, Virginia, not doing his show in Florida. So this is kind of Bill Mick Live, too. All right. All right, amigo. Talk to you soon.